Hey, it's really good to be with you. I, I, as Chris says, I haven't been to Freedom Church before, but I've heard loads about you, not just because of the academy, which it was great to be part of yesterday, but I've got friends who are part of the church as well who've told me all about the church. It's great to finally be with you today. I want to encourage you today. I want to help you. You're called Freedom Church. I want you to go home feeling a bit freer than you came in. And to help you do that, I want to introduce you to a guy. This is the world's strongest man, according to the Guinness Book of Records. Just move it on one for me, would you? This is a guy called Kevin Fast. Look at him. He's in the Guinness Book of Records. I've got the stats here. For dragging a 63-ton fire truck 100 feet. I mean, look at him. He's got this massive harness on. He's pulling this 63-ton fire truck behind him. And I think he managed to drag it 100 feet or something. Pretty impressive. I don't know the exact uh, time it took him to do, but any volunteers? Anyone think they could uh, cut the mustard? God doesn't want you to be like him, which is good news. He's actually a vicar. Can you see he's wearing a dog collar? He's a Canadian vicar. And for me, Kevin Fast summarizes Christianity in the Western world. We say to people, come to Jesus, he'll set you free. But those of us that are Christians, if we're not careful, we end up carrying this burden of all the stuff God wants us to do for him. Do you know the gospel is a message about what God has done for you, not a message about what God needs you to do for him? And uh, I find, you know, I make an assumption, you know, with a group this size, there'll be people who don't yet even know God yet. And when I talk with my friends who don't, who don't yet know God, they're, they're interested in God, but they're like, I don't know if I could... I don't know if I could follow Jesus. I don't know if I could keep it up. feels like there's so much stuff to do. There's so many areas in my life that would need to change. And I think sometimes when I'm talking to my friends who don't yet know God, I think they imagine Christianity would be like this. I couldn't follow Jesus. There's just no way I can do this life. And I reckon that might be because they've got to know some of us that are Christians. And that is maybe how we live our lives. I want to help you today to understand what the gospel really is. I want to help you to understand the freedom that comes. We're in the middle where we just started a series in the book of Acts, and I get the complete joy of sharing with you from Acts chapter 2. I get to share with you about the day of Pentecost, the day when the church was birthed. It was, it was the day when the church began. If you've got a Bible, turn to it, because I'm going to try and help you to understand what it actually means. It's the day when God said to people, You don't have to do it by your power. You can do it by my power. Here's the stupid thing about Kevin Fast. Like, everybody is impressed, and rightly so. He's in the Guinness Book of Records. He dragged a 63-ton fire truck 100 feet. Of course it's impressive. But if my 90-year-old nan got in the fire truck and turned the keys and got behind the wheel and pressed the accelerator... She couldn't just go 100 foot, she could go 100 miles, much, much quicker than Kevin Fast. And I think this is just the picture that God wants you to go home with today. I think for many of us, we're trying to do stuff for God. And the day of Pentecost is about God saying, I want to give you the fuel of heaven. I want to help you to turn the ignition. I want to help you to drive the thing instead of dragging the thing. You know, Jesus said to people in Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, uh, if anyone's weary and heavy laden, isn't that like a great verse for our generation? If 
anyone's worn out, stressed out, crazy, busy, and tired, okay, that's most of us. Jesus says, come to me, and I'll give you rest, because my yoke, that's a yoke that he's got, like a pulling harness, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. I want to suggest to you that many of us, maybe all of us, those of us that are Christians, are doing too much of this and not enough of Pentecost. And I, I, I want to suggest to you that even the, even the call that God's given you as a church is an important factor here. Living free, bringing freedom. I think sometimes we're so focused on trying to reach those who don't yet know Jesus. Bring freedom to them. We don't notice how little we're sometimes living free. God wants you to live free. And I, I really hope as we just read about the day of Pentecost together in Acts 2, uh, quite familiar verses for some of us, maybe new to others. Man, as we read these, God's wanting to set you free. Call this message God on the inside. Acts 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They is the 120 believers that Matt preached about last week. They were all in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit enabled them. Um, the Holy Spirit's seriously powerful. I'd love to pray for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit this morning. That would be a great way to end our service, wouldn't it? I am not expecting that when we pray for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that there will be a sound like a mighty rushing wind. I've never prayed for someone to be filled with the Holy Spirit and suddenly fire falls from heaven. It's like I'm singeing my hands. This was the day of Pentecost. This isn't, this isn't how it always is. But there was a moment where God wanted to show the world just how powerful the Holy Spirit is, where he basically said to the world, what kind of fuel are you going to operate your life on? Are you going to drag the fire truck through life? Or are you going to be baptized with fire? See, in the ancient world, they didn't have gas. They didn't have nuclear power. They didn't have electricity, at least not in the way that we know it. They had fire and wind. If you wanted to go somewhere in a ship... You had a sail. You went there by wind. It was like the fuel of the day. Uh, if you wanted to heat your house, you lit a fire. If you wanted to cook something, you lit a fire. If you wanted to do a feat of engineering like the Romans were famous for, you lit a fire. Basically, it was very simple, wind and fire. And so on the day of Pentecost, Jesus had said to his disciples, don't even try and reach the world until my Holy Spirit comes. He'd said, Matt talked about this last week, wait for my Holy Spirit to come. And he said to them in Acts chapter 1, what we looked at last week, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power and then you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. It was like in this moment, God basically says to the first 120 church members in the world and says to us, those who've become part of the church throughout the generations, he says, there's a different kind of fuel on offer. Do you want it? I want this. I spent too much of my life trying to drag, like, fruitfulness or, or change. You know, sometimes you, you read the Bible and it says things like, rejoice always. Have you noticed there's quite a lot of stuff that you could get a bit miserable about? And the Bible says rejoice always. The Bible says love people, all of them. 
Love your enemies. Well, that's easier said than done, right? And I've spent too much of my life trying to love people and failing. Spent too much of my life trying to be joyful. You know, like, smile. You know, the Christian gospel has to be more than cheer up. It might never happen, right? And it is. See, the reason we are able to read these commands, the reason we're able to live the Jesus way is that Jesus said, I'm going to fill you with my Holy Spirit and enable you to. You know this because in in Philippians chapter 1, it's not a compliment. Paul writes to the church in Philippi and he says to them, I love all of you with the love that Jesus has placed in my heart. (laughs) Which is basically a way of saying, I find it incredibly hard to love any of you. (laughs) I find it so hard to love you that Jesus had to place his love in my heart for you. It's like sometimes we're trying so hard to live the Christian life. It's never meant to be that way. It's like rejoice in the Lord. How do you rejoice? Well, you rejoice in the Lord. God living on the inside of us. It makes so much difference when you understand that God wants to empower you to obey his commands. It says in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. I've got plenty to be happy about. I've also got plenty to be miserable about, like you have. And let's face it, those of us that are English, we're not renowned the world over for being joyful, right? (laughs) English people need the Holy Spirit more than anyone else. And it's like God says, I want you to rejoice and I want to fill you with the Holy Spirit to change you. It's like self-control. You need self-control, don't you? I mean, we live in the worst generation for self-control. I carry this little black thing around with me all the time and it's forever notifying me about stuff. If I don't have self-control, I'm never going to get anything done. And then there's all the dodgy stuff I could access using it. And then there's all the... Man, we live in an age of temptation. i got four kids. Trying to bring up children to have self-control in this generation. Hard. Unless you've got God on the inside. So the day of Pentecost basically begins with wind and fire coming. And with God basically saying, I want to empower you. I, I love praying for people to be healed. I know nothing about healing. My wife is a GP, and sometimes we'll have medical conversations in our home, and my wife basically laughs at me. In fact, when we're talking about medicine, and I will, I will say to my children, no, I think you ought to do this, my own children laugh at me, and they say, let's ask mum what she thinks. <laughs> I know nothing about health. But I am able to pray for people to be healed in the name of Jesus. I don't have to drag the fire truck. When the Holy Spirit comes... The power of God comes. It's like Jesus walked through the marketplace and he was wearing a cloak. And this woman came up behind him because she thought, if if Jesus is wearing a cloak and I touch the cloak of Jesus, maybe I can be healed. And she touches the cloak of Jesus and Jesus turns around and says, I felt some power go out from me. Who did this? And the woman says, it was me and I'm completely healed. And the weird thing is, this is how you can tell if you're living a Kevin Fast drag the fire truck kind of lifestyle, you think, I could never heal anybody. I mean, the question we've got to ask ourselves is, who is more able to heal people, you or a cloak? At least you've got a pulse. (laughs) I mean, Jesus basically says, I can heal people with a cloak. You'll do. He says, I'll fill you with the Holy Spirit, and I want you to lay hands on people, and they'll be healed in my name. See, this is the challenge. I don't know much about medicine, but I do know enough to know that me putting my hand on someone ain't going to heal anyone. More likely to catch something than get healed. But actually the Bible says, if I fill you with the Holy Spirit, you lay hands on those who are sick, 
the power of God will flow into you and flow out of you. Doesn't that make life better? We're going to go to work tomorrow. Be surrounded by non-believers. It's great. Wonderful, isn't it? And there'll be some of them that, actually, their lives are in need of God. Actually, all of them, their lives are in need of God. But there'll be some of them that their lives are in such a place where they admit it. They need healing. Or they need God to help them with the depression that they really feel. They need God to help them with some major issue going on in their life. Man, it's quite stressful to be a Christian when you think that, I have to solve their problems. But when you realize Jesus fills us with his Holy Spirit, so we can say, can I pray for you? Could I, could I just pray for you now? And as you pray for them, the power of God that is in you flows out to them. Wow, it's amazing. It says they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. God's not just powerful. The Holy Spirit's visible. I'm a bit gutted about this. I've got to share some bad news with you. This doesn't mean that before your Spanish oral, your GCSE, you don't need to do any revision whatsoever. You can just be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a bit of a shame. I did try that one before my French A-level, but it didn't go too well. Now there were staying in Jerusalem. Here's how it carries on. God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. This is literally what happened on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit enabled them to speak foreign languages they'd never learned. Sadly, it is not the general promise of God. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these men who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them speaking to us in his own native language? Understood, and they haven't learned them. There were Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia. It's four GCSEs so far. Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome. That's Latin GCSE, everyone. Both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own languages. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've obviously had too much wine. Now, there is a gift of tongues that God gives to people when they're filled with the Holy Spirit to help them to know what to pray. Often when you're trying to pray for Liverpool, or you're trying to pray for the UK, or you're trying to pray for the general election, you think, I don't even know how I'm going to be praying here. And there is a gift that God gives. It talks about it in 1 Corinthians 12, the gift of tongues, where God helps you to pray even though you don't know what to pray for. I don't think this is particularly it. This is actually a miraculous thing that happened that enabled the first 120 believers to run into the streets of Jerusalem and proclaim the gospel. It says they declared the excellencies of God. They, they, they declared the wonders of God in these different languages. What's this all about? It's like God's trying to really encourage us today. This is something that happened to them for us. See, here's part of the the, the fire truck that we drag behind us is we think I really ought to share the good news of Jesus with people who don't yet know him. And that's actually a really good thing for you to be thinking because you really should, right? It would just be horrible for us to gather together on a Sunday morning and to sing about how Jesus is the saviour of the world and forget to tell the world, wouldn't it? We, we would actually be some of the most evil people in Liverpool if we sang about how Jesus has totally transformed our life, but didn't tell people who need Jesus to transform his life. If we were more excited about the Netflix box set that we'd seen and we're telling all our friends, you've got to watch it, and we weren't telling people about Jesus. Of course we want to feel that, but here's the problem, we feel this massive burden. How on earth am I going to tell people? 
How am I going to ram it into conversation? How am I going to bring up Jesus? It doesn't feel like a really easy thing to talk about with my work colleagues. How am I going to tell people that, that, that they've sinned and that Jesus is the saviour? How am I going to do that? It doesn't feel like the kind of thing that when I'm at the pub with my friends, I can just easily drop into conversation. This is why God does this. On the day of Pentecost, he enables people who find it harder to connect than you do with your friends to connect perfectly. People who have absolutely no idea what to say. They do not speak Parthian or Medish or Elamites. They can't speak it. And God enables them to say the right words. Now, I have heard like these stories of God giving Christians the miracle of being able to speak a foreign language. It didn't work for me before my French A-level. Um, but I think this is talking about something much more exciting than that. The truth is most people in Liverpool speak English but you don't know what to say to them. And Jesus is saying to you, when I fill you with my Holy Spirit, I'll help you to connect with them. I'll help you to know the right words. I think sometimes we stress ourselves out over things we don't need to stress out over. What I've learned is I can share the gospel really well, occasionally, I don't do it very often, but I do sometimes share it very well and have absolutely no fruit. At other times I share the gospel quite badly, that's much more common, and somehow God makes me fruitful. I... I I went to my friend's house to invite her to come to a Christian meeting. And uh, I'd been praying for her. I'd been saying, I really want my friend Anna to come to this Christian meeting. I really want Anna to become a believer. Please, God, may she come to know you. I went to Anna's house and I said, so, should we go to the Christian meeting together? She said, no, I've changed my mind. I don't want to come. And her flatmate, Gareth, was in the kitchen overhearing the conversation. And I was going to the Christian meeting anyway. So I said, all right, Gareth, do you want to come instead? Gareth, I had not prayed for. Gareth, I had not been laboring in intensive prayer with God for. I had no intention of inviting Gareth to the meeting. I was inviting Anna to the meeting, but Anna blew me out and Gareth happened to be in the room. So I invited Gareth to the meeting. He gave his life to Jesus. This is why we don't need to drag the fire truck. It's not about have I prayed enough, have I shared well enough. These guys connected with people and they didn't even speak their language. It's like God saying to you, just open your mouth and let me try and guide you. And if you mess it up, do you know what? Trying to share the gospel and messing it up is more effective than not trying to share the gospel. Right? If you say something rubbish, God's got something to work with. And the nice thing about wind and fire, it's like you don't need very good wood to have a fire. Any wood will do. It's about the fire. It's not about the wood. And sometimes trying to share your faith with your friends is actually just about sticking some wood out. And you think, oh, this wood's rubbish. Woods, woods, wood. It's about the fire. And this is just such an amazing event. On the day of Pentecost, basically Jesus proclaimed to the church, so long as you open your mouth and say something, I will enable you to connect with people. I will enable you to make a difference. In the ancient world, if you spoke more than one language, you were highly employable. It's probably a little bit like today. If you speak an extra language, it helps you to get a good job. I think there might even be something in here where God's just wanting to challenge us that, that, that being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a weekend thing. It's not about, hey, now I can go to church and I might be able to share something from the microphone. Great. Share something not from the microphone during the week. It's like this is to go to work with us. God wants to make us successful at work. You know, this is not just share the gospel at work, although, great, let's do that. But actually, God wants to make you successful at work. 
In Genesis, it says, it says that Pharaoh uh, looked at Joseph and said, can we find anyone like this man in whom is the Spirit of God? Wouldn't that be a great end of year appraisal? Have I done at work this year? Haven't found anyone like you in whom is the Spirit of God. I'd like that. You get a raise after that one, I reckon. <laughs> Daniel, his boss says to him, the Spirit of the Holy God is clearly in you. I, I, I work as a pastor now, so I don't get the joy that most of you do of going to work with non-believers every day. But when I did, I was passionate about being one of the best workers in the office. I was passionate about my boss seeing that I really believed in Jesus. And he knew that I was praying for my business. I was working for, I was working for a sales company at the time. And uh, when I moved to a different department, my non-believing boss called me in and said, I'm really gutted. You're moving to another team. You're getting a promotion. And the reason I'm gutted is I know that you pray over our sales results. And I know they're going to go worse when you leave the team. And they did. And I honestly wasn't praying against them after I left the team. <laughs> actually, God wants to help you. In, this, this is like God say, actually, the whole of your life. This is not just your Christian life. When you go to work tomorrow, or if you haven't got a job, when you go looking for work tomorrow, God wants to say, I want to come near you. I want to empower you. I want to enable you. I want to help you. The Holy Spirit's powerful, and the Holy Spirit is visible. Like, it was pretty obvious to the crowds that something had happened to these 120 people. And whether it's through your character, God starts changing parts of your life, or maybe it's through the power that you bring. Really, we are. We are really just those that gather on a Sunday in order to learn how to do the stuff so that we can go and do it all week long. Like, it's meant to be visible. People around you are meant to know that you are full of the Holy Spirit. And I think one of the ways in which the Holy Spirit's most visible is that we start sharing God's passion for people. Sometimes Christians can have a reputation for being quite insular. They've got their own little club. They look down on, I'm not saying this is you, but this is like the stereotype, isn't it? Christians looking down on other people. Actually, Jesus is so passionate for people. Most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, God so loved the world, sent his only son. He came. And as soon as these 120 are filled with the Holy Spirit, it says they ran out into the streets, start proclaiming the good news. There's something about being filled with the Holy Spirit that makes you passionate for other people to hear the good news too. The day of Pentecost, Pentecost just means 50 in Greek. It was the most unoriginal name. And it was also a bad name because it was for the festival 49 days after Easter. But I think the Hebrews include, like, it was an inclusive count, so they made it 50. So basically, Pentecost means 50 days after, after Pentecost. And it was the harvest festival. It was like when they would celebrate the first fruits. And it was on that day that they received the first fruits of this massive gospel harvest. It was on the day when they remembered God giving the law at Mount Sinai to Moses, because that had happened 50 days after the Passover. And it's like on this day when everybody's thinking, but we can't even follow the commands of God. They received the Holy Spirit. That in Ezekiel 36, it says, I will put my spirit in you and he will help you to follow my commands. Suppose I'm asking you, what fuel are you living your life on? I feel like I spend too much of my life on man-made fuel. It's just useless. And it it isn't even effective, and it certainly makes us miserable. If you live on the fuel of being filled with the Holy Spirit each day, it totally transforms everything. 
It helps you live free. And do you know what? When you live free, people take you seriously when you offer them freedom. It's just how it works. I love it. These verses are absolutely amazing. It's visible. Maybe that's a challenge for some of us. Sometimes people say to me, I don't really know if I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. If you don't know if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, you probably haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit because these guys knew. So if you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, let's pray for you today. And sometimes people say to me, I don't need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I was 15 years ago. I filled my car up with petrol 15 days ago, but I still need to fill it up now. It's like actually fuel, you need to keep refueling. It's no use for a sailor to say, my sails were full of the wind yesterday. Well, that ain't going to get you anywhere today. It's like sometimes our biggest enemy today is our past. Just as we were worshipping, I was just reflecting, we have no day in which to be a Christian other than today. doesn't matter how good you were yesterday. doesn't matter what great stuff God did through you 10 years ago. Today's all you got. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. That's why it says in Ephesians 5, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's the great news. The Holy Spirit's yours. Peter gets up and he begins to explain to them what's going on because everyone's thinking that the 120 are drunk. I don't know why they think that. I mean, I've never heard someone speak in Spanish and thought, oh, you've been drinking. <laughs> so I, I don't know. They're, they're, like, they're obviously so excited about what they're saying about Jesus. And that is something that happens, isn't it? We have charismatic churches, not because we've got upbeat songs, but because when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you get excited. It's like maybe they, were, they had a bit of the British in them. Oh, you guys, you must be drunk because you actually look like you're enjoying life. Yes. <laughs> We're meant to be those that enjoy life more than others. Fortunately, I think Christians sometimes have a reputation for enjoying life less than others. Come on, let's live free. Peter stood up with the 11, the other disciples. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men aren't drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. That's you. This is just last days, okay? We're later than this day. This is May 30 AD. He called it the last day. We are later than that. So in the last days, God says, I'll pour up my spirit on all people. All people means all people. It means this is the promise for you. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. I reckon that's because people thought it wasn't for the young. And maybe people thought it wasn't for the women or the men. No, it'll be sons and daughters. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. Maybe people in those days were thinking, well, I'm too old for this now. No. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they'll prophesy and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I love that. It's almost like Peter is predicting that loads of people in the crowd are not even going to be Christians yet. But when they hear about God on the inside, when they hear about not having to drag the fire truck, but being empowered by the fuel of God, they'll want to become Christians. Of course they'll want to become Christians. So he ends by quoting from the prophet Joel, oh, by the way, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What that means is today, if you're not even following Jesus yet, you can decide to follow him today, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and go home so different that your friends are going to wonder what on earth happened to you. Wow. It's for all of us. It's ours. It's yours. And, and Peter explains why the Holy Spirit's available. He says, men of Israel, listen to this. 
Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. This is like a full-on sermon here. He's now saying to the Jews of Jerusalem, you killed the Son of God. See, this is the amazing thing about us being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God on the inside of us. But you and I know what's on the inside of us. A lot of it isn't pretty. And so Jesus stood up in John 7, uh, before his crucifixion. He said, come to me, anyone who's thirsty, and I'll, I'll give you my Holy Spirit to drink. Streams of living water will flow into you and out through you. He talked about the normal Christian life, what it is to be full of the power of God. And actually, as you go, you are bringing the power of God everywhere you go. And then John says, by the way, at that point, the Holy Spirit hadn't yet been given because Jesus hadn't been glorified. What Peter's saying here is the reason we are able to be filled with the Holy Spirit and have God on the inside is not because we're good people, but because Jesus is a good saviour. He's lived the perfect life for us. And he died a horrible death for us. And Peter says that was by God's set purpose. God decided that Jesus would die on the cross for us in our place so that we could be cleaned up enough that the Holy Spirit could come. If you had a newborn baby and you had a filthy room, you'd probably clean the room before you put the newborn baby in it. In the same way, the Holy Spirit isn't going to fill a filthy you or me. But Peter says, it's all right. Jesus has died on the cross to take all the filth into the tomb. And Jesus has been raised from the dead. And when he was raised from the dead, freed from the agony of death, because it's impossible for death to keep its hold on him, he left all the filth behind. And he stepped out of the tomb so that we could be set free. Peter says, God's raised this Jesus to life. We're all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has now received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Peter says Jesus has ascended back to heaven and because he's done it all, because you can be completely forgiven through the blood of Jesus, you can have God live on the inside of you every day of your life, whether you're doing well or whether you're doing badly. You needn't drag the fire truck through the world every day. You can take the harness off, let God fill you with the Holy Spirit and live by his strength instead of your own. This is kind of good news, right? And he says to them, we're all witnesses of the fact. 3,000 people are about to get saved, spoiler alert. This is such good news that 3,000 people in the crowd are going to get saved and baptized. The reason they did is because they were all witnesses of the fact. When Peter says, let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. They believe him because they know Jesus really did come back from the dead. This is not only the best news you could ever hear, it's also the most proven news you could ever hear. Sometimes when I see stuff on the news, I think, I don't know if that's true. I've never read a news report where the reporter died, was buried, and came back to life again to prove to me that they had the authority to speak truth into my life. It's exactly what Jesus has done for us. So let me end just by encouraging you to make the most of this. The Holy Spirit is available, and the Holy Spirit is waiting right now for us. Here's the final verses I'll read to you. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, 
What should we do? I don't know what your response is to this message. I think the Holy Spirit had already started moving because they were cut to the heart and said, I need to do something with this message. My concern is that you'll hear this message and you'll think, oh, this is, this is interesting and it will not change your life one bit. You actually need the Holy Spirit to cut you to the heart sometimes. Do you ever hear a message and you think, this is so important that I'm going to have to do something before I go home. This has got to change my life. My hope and prayer is that this is one of those messages. Because I, I, don't, I don't know most of you, but I don't want you to go through life trying to drag the fire truck of Christianity behind you. You don't need to. You won't succeed in doing so. And actually, there are so many people across Liverpool who need the good news. And the reason they haven't responded to the good news is because I think sometimes we've forgotten the good news. I've spent so much of my life trying to, trying to win people for Jesus. Jesus has won people. All I need to do is just let him win my heart. And then as I go out and proclaim the good news of what Jesus has done in my life, they'll look at my life and they'll see that I'm not some spiritual tryhard. And they'll think, actually, there is something attractive about someone who's fueled by the Spirit of God. I want some of that as well. Peter replied, well, here's how you do it. This is his words even to you. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? Well, you need to be forgiven, Peter says. He says, you need the forgiveness of your sins. You need to put your faith in Jesus. If that's you, if you've not yet put your faith in Jesus, why wouldn't you? Why would you say no to this offer? God himself saying, I'm not going to hold your sin against you. I want to forgive you. I'm not going to ask you to try hard to make it up to me. After I've forgiven you, I want to fill you with my spirit. You'll have God on the inside, enabling you to live the life that deep down you know you always longed to live. Why would you say no to this? Peter says, well, repent and be baptised. Uh, in a moment when we end the service, we'll sing a couple of songs to end the service. And over there where those metal shutters are, there'll be a prayer response team. If you think, I want to repent, I want to give my life to Jesus, they'll help you. He says, repent and be baptised. If you have repented, you think, I don't need to do that. I've done that recently. But you've not been baptised be baptised. Sometimes people say to me, can I be filled with the Holy Spirit without being baptised? Yes, in Acts 10. God does fill some people with the Holy Spirit before they get baptised, but they immediately get baptised. It's like, yes, God can fill you with the Holy Spirit today if you haven't been baptised yet. But part of the purpose of that is for you to get baptised. It's like, Jesus says, I want you to follow me. And I want you not just to be airy-fairy in your commitment to me. I don't want you just to kind of pray a prayer and say, yeah, I'm kind of following Jesus now. There's no kinder getting in the water or kind of, you're either, you're either in the water getting baptised or you're not in the water getting baptised. Which is why in, in the next verse it says, it says that Peter um, warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. It only bothers counting the ones who were baptised. It's like when people say to me, I've given my life to Jesus. And I say, have you been baptised yet? And they say, no, no, I haven't yet. I don't know if they've given their life to Jesus, if I'm honest. Because one of the first things Jesus says is be baptised. It's like, it's like if, you, if you haven't done the first thing Jesus asks you to do, I, I'm not that sure you really are following him yet. It's like the first step. 
in following Jesus is you do what he calls you to do. But what do we need to do? Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then that's it. He says, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. I love it. I've always kind of imagined that to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to do a 40-day fast. Or you have to go somewhere special. Maybe you have to touch a certain statue. Maybe you have to light a candle to a certain patron saint. or None of it. Peter says, if you do that, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's what I've been learning. I've been learning that a lot of what passes for charismatic Christianity is a bit angsty. It's a bit lacking in faith. How many times, those of you that have been Christians for years, how many times you said, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit? Why haven't you filled me with the Holy Spirit? God, please, will you fill me with the Holy Spirit? You spend your whole life asking God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. I've actually found the best thing to do is to believe that God will fill you with the Holy Spirit. I've stopped largely saying, God, please fill me with the Holy Spirit. Why haven't you? And I've just started saying, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. I don't have to fall over to believe that you've answered my prayer. I asked, you said I will, so I believe. And so I would encourage you in a moment, when we ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit, just believe that he will. Sometimes I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and I really feel something. A lot of the time I ask God to fill me with the Holy Spirit, I feel very little. But I notice something afterwards. I notice God is with me when I try and share the gospel with my friends. I notice that areas of sin that I've struggled with do seem to have less of a hold on me than they used to. I discover that I try things that I think I'm never going to be able to do that. And somehow I pull it off. Except it's not really me. It's God living on the inside of me. Do you want this? Do you want this as a church? I mean, we believe in this, right? But isn't it easy to go through life not asking God to fill you with the Holy Spirit? If I don't, if I don't fill myself with Weetabix, I notice by 11 a.m. If I don't ask God to fill me with the Holy Spirit, I sometimes don't notice for the whole day. What am I playing at? How, how much have I got used to dragging the fire truck of Christianity through the world? Come on. We want to live free. And the way you live free is by embracing the day of Pentecost. It's by saying, thank you, that you don't just save us and say, now try harder. You save us and say, now can you stop trying so hard and let me fill you with the Holy Spirit so that you can do it by my strength.